So uh, why did you start the Ethics and Compliance Library podcast? This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you, greetings and felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I visit with Lauren Siegel. Lauren is the host of the Ethics and Compliance Library podcast. I talked to her about her experiences of hosting this podcast over the past year, what she learned, and where the Ethics and Compliance podcast may be headed down the road. I know you will enjoy this episode. Of course, my guest is Lauren Siegel. Lauren is actually the host of the Ethics and Compliance Library, and I had an idea that I pitched to her, which she graciously accepted, which was for me to interview her about her first year of hosting the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's good. It's good to be back on my podcast. Yeah, um, it's it's been a it's been a fun year hosting this podcast. It's fun to be on the other side of it for for a minute. So, uh, why don't you tell us uh, what you're up to right now when you're not podcasting? Yeah. So contrary to popular belief, I do not podcast for my job. Um, I podcast because I am passionate about the space and it's a fun thing for me to be doing on the side. I get to learn a lot doing it and talk to some really incredible people. I am in sales. So this time of year, I'm really busy. Uh, I'm doing my my day job quite a lot. And I'm also in the process of uh, planning my wedding and enjoying being in the mountains, walk my dog a lot, all of that good stuff. Well, very cool. So uh, why did you start the Ethics and Compliance Library podcast? The short answer is Tom picked up the phone and called me. Uh, the long answer is that this is a space that that needed to be filled. There, there's so much going on in the ethics and compliance space. Nobody is ever going to say, yeah, for the last year I sat and everything was the same in ethics and compliance, right? It's just never going to happen. And so looking at the space, there, there's podcasts across Tom's podcast network, right? There's so many things that you can take in, whether it's um, podcasts or articles or, or the news and understand what's happening in the space. But what nobody was yet doing was looking at the books in the space, looking at some of the research that people had published in the space and and talking about it. And I think it's very often done from the traditional compliance quote perspective, instead of necessarily from the, um, the culture perspective or the values perspective. And so I've really taken those types of books and thought about it from that direction and understand ethics and compliance in a different way. Um, it's given me an opportunity to learn quite a lot. And the idea was to share that that learning elsewhere so that others could think about ethics and compliance from a different perspective as well. I'm not quite sure what your expectations were when you began, but were did you have any surprises or things that perhaps you weren't expecting that came up for you in the first year? Oh, that's a really good question. I... I really didn't have a lot of expectations. I put a lot of pressure on myself to know how to run a podcast, and I didn't. I had never hosted a podcast, but I knew how to speak to people. And I think the most interesting thing to me that I found throughout this process was that 
people wanted to talk about this. They were interested in what I was talking about and wanted to engage with me in these conversations. And I found that it extended far beyond the podcast interviews and into the work that I was doing on a day-to-day basis and the conversations I was having over dinner that it touches all aspects of our life, not necessarily just the business implications around signing policies and so forth. Um, hosting the poli- hosting the, the podcast in and of itself, the biggest surprise to me was really the, the amount of support that I got from the community, acknowledging that this was very much a needed gap to be filled. So you said a couple of things in there I'd like to follow up on. Uh, number one was how this experience really influenced and improved your business acumen and business skills. Um, and I was wondering if you say a few more words about that. Any, perhaps any specific examples that came up over the past year? Yeah, I mean, I think even listening back to my first podcast episode to the fourth one, you can hear the confidence in my voice around what I'm talking about, that I understand the space more now. And part of it is from reading the books, right? I learned something from reading the books, but a huge part of that was engaging with the people I was interviewing and understanding things from their perspective and and what they've learned in the space. Um, I I have found that in reading these books, I can't just read the books and write up my analysis and go into an interview. There's more that goes into it. I'm, I'm looking up articles related to it. I'm looking into the background of people who are mentioned in the book. And in doing all of that, I'm picking up on new words that are that are used in the space that I didn't know were being used. Terminology that ethics and compliance professionals are using that I can now use in my business acumen as part of how I communicate, which is super powerful. So how about, uh, I was also intrigued by your thoughts around as broad as the compliance space is, and as many podcasts as there are, you, you found one, you saw a gap and you saw a market need and you delivered that in the form of this podcast. Why is it that there's so many different unexplored areas of compliance, uh, you think? The joke that I always make when I when I talk to ethics and compliance professionals, right? And that, that spans not just someone who has an ethics and compliance title, but someone who manages any part of a compliance program. So someone in legal, HR, et cetera. Everyone in that industry is looked at as a cost center. They're not a revenue protector, right? They're the department of no, they're the police. No one comes to you with resource saying, I have resources, I have budget. They say I don't have them, right? And it's it's a almost a running joke that no one is ever going to come to me and say, mm, I have a lot of those things, give me more of them. Um, and so I think the reason why there are so many gaps in in this space, why people are always trying to to fill these gaps and and find more resources is because it has been a space that's been overlooked many times, right? They look when a new regulation comes out, people tend to look at how the response is formulated, but not where it comes from. And so when I think about the ethics and compliance industry, I think it is slowly but surely picking up that people are trying to fill these gaps really proactively, but it has been a reactive industry in a lot of ways up to this point. And so filling the gaps is is fun because there are a decent amount of gaps. Um, it's it's something that makes my job fun. It makes it makes the job of ethics and compliance professionals very challenging, right? But there there's so much to be done 
What were maybe three of the top highlights from the entire year for you? First one that comes to mind, uh, probably interviewing Sharon Watkins for number one. I just, I found it so cool. I, I really was kind of awestruck by her. I think part of it is in a lot of ways she's quote famous, right? And and that fame, you always get a little starstruck, but really the, the courage it took to be that whistleblower and to be a whistleblower in the time that she was a whistleblower. I was just really awestruck by and how she's taken the challenges in her career since then and turned it into something great, the teachings and so forth. So that was a really awesome moment for me. Um, I think the, the second one is actually something a little less tangible, which is the number of people that I touched with this podcast. I was really, I was just really excited by it. And it made spending the hours reading, because let me be very clear, I'm a slow reader, made the hours reading and the hours producing and the hours interviewing seem fun. It wasn't something that I was spending time doing outside of work and was trying to build into my schedule, but that I, I was making time for because it was cool to get to touch that many people's lives and their professions. And then last is the relationship that I that I got to continue building with Asha Palmer, who I am also awestruck by many days. I think that she does a lot in, in this industry that is just really, really incredible and impactful. And in interviewing her in the most recent podcast, that was great. But I was working with her very closely on figuring out what books I should read and what she was hearing in the space to make sure that I was targeting the right populations and 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 impacting the most that I could in the industry. So that was really powerful as well. That brings up an interesting uh, idea that you have incorporated into your series, which is you actually uh, put a survey out and you ask uh, listeners and readers on LinkedIn uh, to vote for a book. Where did you come up with that idea? Honestly, out of frustration of not being able to pick a book. I, I mean, you look around and at, at face value, there's not a lot of ethics and compliance book number one, right? Like that title doesn't exist. There are titles like Blind Spots and um, titles like, I mean, it just it spans everything. Giving voice to values, all these things that don't necessarily say, hi, I'm an ethics and compliance book. And I didn't really know what other people wanted to hear. I, I wanted to hear certain things and talk about certain things, but that's not the point of the podcast. And so making sure that I'm that I'm targeting the areas that people want me to target is really important. And so I'm going to continue to survey and I wish I could get to all the books that, um, that people wanted me to get to, but maybe, maybe in 10 years we can reevaluate. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot here and I know you don't have any children yet, uh, but I'm a dad and I love all my children the same. And I always <laughs> say that, uh, but I'm the oldest son and I won't go any further than that. But <laughs> Uh, were there any of the four pods your favorite or do you just love them all the same? I like them all for different reasons. I, I think Blind Spots was a really proud moment for me because it was the first podcast I released. Um, uh, Smartest Guys in the Room, like I mentioned, I was awestruck by Sharon. Uh, I, I loved the lessons that I learned from no rules rules. I think it applies to so many areas of my life, not just ethics and compliance, but the way that I 
communicate with other people how how I think about um, my business and and the the job that I have. So there's so many different areas that I that I found I really leaned into certain podcasts over others. Um, I I personally am. I'm awestruck by by Mary Gentile and the fact that she has had the career that she has. I just, I can't even imagine being a professor and doing that kind of thing. So it was something from each one that was very different. Um, I, I love them all equally, but for different reasons. <laughs> there was one uh, story you told in No Rules Rules that I wanted to ask you about, and that was on a plane ride. Yeah. And I can't remember if you had the book or you were talking to someone sitting next to you about it, but someone else sort of chimed in. Could you tell us that story? That's the craziest thing, honestly. Um, so obviously I'm not a, a quiet person. I do tend to be introverted when I am in situations I don't know, but we were on a plane, our flight, we were headed to Atlanta for work. Um, and it was me and a couple of my coworkers. The flight had been delayed. We'd been on the ground on the plane for two hours. At that point, the the uh, the pilot went out and bought everyone chicken nuggets and brought chicken nuggets onto the plane, so everyone's much happier. So I'm standing over by where my coworkers are sitting. I was at the back of the plane and was chatting with them. We're eating our chicken nuggets, and um, I I don't know how it came up, but we started talking about the podcast and oh, have you guys read No Rules Rules and this specific thing, I think we were talking about um, talent density as it related to the massive hiring that my company is going through and thinking about that. And someone literally one row over, she goes, I'm sorry, but are you talking about the book about Netflix's culture? And I'm excited. I'm like, okay, this is someone else I can talk to. Turn around and come to find out that she actually works at Netflix. Right. And I just, I, I thought that was so cool. I've never met anyone that actually worked at Netflix. I even, as I was doing this, went and saw what jobs they were hiring for because I was curious, right? Like, I think it's I think it's a really interesting space. And so in talking to her about this, I found out she was a recruiter, which is really an interesting perspective to look at that book from and how culture is so heavily focused on in interviewing. And we got to chatting. I sat with her for probably half hour chatting while we ate our chicken nuggets while the plane was still on the ground. Um, and she was phenomenal. And I, I even said to her, I was like, I know how many approvals you have to get in Netflix to go through an interview. So I'm not going to ask you to do that. But there was so much of this conversation that I learned so much from and it makes it made me appreciate the book so much more. So you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how do you feel like both starting, because that was a big step, but also hosting this podcast has helped you professionally, either in uh, you know personal growth, giving you more confidence, making you more of a subject matter expert, or allowing you to have conversations with people on airplanes or customers or clients that you wouldn't have normally had? Yeah, I think it's all of that. Um I, I use it as a talking point now, partially to show that I know what I'm talking about. I, I don't just talk about ethics and compliance and pull things out of nowhere, but that I, I actually am very dedicated to the space. But I, I think the biggest thing is it it has increased my 
my interest in what I do. And I think there's so much to be said for appreciating your job and appreciating the people you speak to. I value the people I speak to, whether they're customers or prospects or industry leaders in general, a lot more because I I understand more of their roles now. I understand all of the 17,000 hats that they wear more so than I did before because of the business acumen that I've gained, because of the people that I've gotten the chance to speak to, because of the confidence that I've built in having those conversations, right? So it's it's really all of what you just mentioned, Tom. So what would you say or why would you tell a young compliance professional to start a podcast, to do something a little bit different on your own, even if it takes you way outside your comfort comfort zone. What uh, what would you tell the twenty something? Yeah, that's a hard question. I I think I would say the same thing to that person that I would say to anyone, which is going outside your comfort zone is is the most important thing you can do. It makes you better all around as a person, as a professional, as a friend, as a partner, right? Um, Going outside of your comfort zone teaches you something. But as it relates to compliance in general, I think this goes back to what we talked about before, that there are gaps in the space. This space is ever-changing. It is never going to be a static industry. And so when you see that space, that gap, fill it because it may be a while before someone does, and there's no point in waiting around for it. And if you find someone else to fill it even, but make sure you voice that idea, because voicing that idea is very important in this space, the same way that you would voice your opinion um, about a policy not, not being written correctly, or a training that you feel is stale, Voice, make sure your voice is heard around things that you need in the industry. What's down the road for the Ethics and Compliance Library in 2022? More books, more and more books. Uh, now, I, I am hoping to have a poll released here in the next couple of weeks once I figure out what books I want to list on that poll so that we can figure out what's ahead. Um, I expect four books again in 2022, um, so one a quarter again, and a lot more interesting conversations. I want to um, I want to think about about how to bring the podcast to life in between the podcasts as well. I think it's something that we tried to do with the Converge community um, and continuing those conversations. It's something that I tried to do in my engagement on LinkedIn, right? I've, uh, I have taken a backseat to some of my LinkedIn activity in, in the last few weeks as I take care of myself. As I said, mentioned, as I mentioned before, planning a wedding and having a job and hosting a podcast all of a sudden got to be a lot. But I, I want to increase some of that engagement between podcasts again and make sure that the community of people listening has a place to communicate between listening, which is which is really important to me. Lauren, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted uh, either to find out about the Ethics and Compliance Library podcast or perhaps find out more about any of the topics we've touched on or maybe even follow up with you. How could they do so? Yeah, a couple of ways. So obviously Converge community is something we've mentioned throughout the podcast and today, converge.conversant.com, where you can engage in conversations with your peers. And I, I'm active on there as well. LinkedIn is my go-to for everything. Um, I encourage everyone that listens to go connect with me on LinkedIn and let's have that conversation, whether it's one-on-one or as a group. 
and send me an email as well. That that email can be found on LinkedIn. But um, the the only other thing that I will say is that the conversation far reaches beyond what happens between you and me, Tom, or me and another professional, that there are things that everyone wants to talk about. So speak of them loudly, whether on LinkedIn or social media and other ways, speak of them loudly. Well, Lauren, this has been great. I really thank you. I uh, just uh, tip of my hat to you for starting this podcast. It's been great. And it's been a great addition to the compliance community because you're absolutely right. There was a complete gap in this space. So uh, kudos for doing it. And uh, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all your help with this podcast as well. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you'll join me in congratulating Lauren for completing her first year and first four podcasts in the Ethics and Compliance Library. She indeed filled a space that needed discussion for the compliance professional. I hope you will look forward to Lauren's 2022 podcast and when she posts her poll on LinkedIn about books that you would like to hear about, I hope you will uh, respond to her survey and help her select the books for the Ethics Compliance Library podcast in 2022. The Ethics and Compliance Library podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. On this podcast, talk about something other than compliance, whatever it may be, I'd love to uh, visit with you. You can contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I wish you a very happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, or whatever you may be celebrating. We look forward to visiting with you in 2022.